saying, hey, where's this person and that person? We're missing about um, 25, 30 people today. There's some up at a retreat in Big Bear right now. And uh, matter of fact, Co Pastor Corey's up there. Uh, Andrew, who's using our sound booth, he's up there. Uh, he's up. Oh, Andrew's in Brea. Uh, he has a, Andrew coordinates an 8K run over there. That's, uh, that's pretty, that's a fun thing too. But anyway, let's start off today, and uh, I'm going to ask you to pull out your connection card here. It's that brown and white card that's in your, in your bulletin, and uh, just fill it out to whatever degree you like, and on the back there's ways you can communicate with us and the mark and ways we can uh, maybe help you in some way, contact you. And after you're done with that, you can just leave it on your pew. As you're doing that, I'll point out some things for the from the bulletin for announcements. Naturally, we have our food and fellowship time ab directly after this, so you're all welcome to come and uh, have some light lunch with us in the, in the social hall. Orange family time today, room five. So I believe that's right after service. Is that right? Orange family time? Right after service. You parents, you know that for your... You know, go back there. Um, also, today is a young marriage fellowship. No, it isn't. It's March 5th. That's next Sunday. Excuse me, March 5th. And then we have some other things coming down here. Single adult dinner next Sunday, March 5th. Uh, Winter Vision Valley, ladies' tea. You can read that on your own. Some of you may have noticed uh, we, have a, we had a, someone put some things on our, spray paint some things on our, uh, our sign out front. Uh, it's kind of neat. I kind of look at him as a holy tagger. Because what he did, he put on a scripture verse. He spray-painted a scripture verse on our sign out there. So I looked it up, and it's a neat scripture verse. I'd love to meet this guy, you know? And it, it went with, um, we started off by singing Hosanna. And, and, and so this is the scripture verse he, he spray-painted on our sign. It says, uh, when Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, who is this? The crowds answered, this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth and Galilee. Amen. I think he threw in there, Jehovah lives too, right? Okay. We're still going to clean it off, though. We're still going to clean it off. Okay, if you have your Bible, I'd invite you to open up to Ephesians chapter 2. We're going through a pretty long text today. Ephesians chapter 2, I'm going to read for you verses 17 to 22. And then we're going to work our way through these verses, um, through, the, through the message today. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 17 to 22. And we're continuing in this, um, this epistle, this letter that Paul wrote to the church in Ephesus. Ephesians chapter 2, verse, uh, starting with verse 17. He, referring to Jesus, he came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access to the Father by one spirit. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and aliens, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together 
to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Let's pray. Father, as we continue in this letter by Paul to your church in Ephesus, Father, we know that it is your inspiration, it is, it is uh, your mind that is being communicated. So, Father, we know that you are a timeless, and the truth is the truth. It cuts through the centuries. And so today, Father, we are, going to we are looking forward to receive from you. You know each one of us as your child, all those in Christ. And so, Father, you know what we need to hear. So speak to each of us as your individual children today. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. You know, I, don't, I think this speaks to all people, but especially the guys, you know. Um, do you like to build things? Do you like to build things? I mean, I mean, when you get your hands kind of dirty and, and think things through and select the material and start pounding those nails and start mixing that cement, or would you rather tear down? Would you rather grab a, a, a crowbar and start prying things loose and get that sledgehammer and start swinging away and just, just demolish something? See, as a kid, I would build up. I would build things in order to blow them up or, or to, uh, to run them over with my bike or, 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 or just, uh, just uh, demolish it. But as an adult, as a Christian, I see the importance of reversing that order of, let's say, building up and tearing down. As a Christian, as an adult, I have to be willing to first tear down in order to make room for the building up. To be willing to step away from my old ways, the old ways I think and the old ways I, I do things, in order for these new ways that Christ wants to see in my life to be established in my living. One of the more familiar verses in the Bible, and we, we repeat it over and over again here in this church, is 2 Corinthians 5.17. Paul wrote to the church in Corinth, If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone the new has come. We repeat this over and over again because we do need to hear it. We need to be reminded that when we talk about living the Christian life, when we're talking about actually being a Christian in our world, it is a life of transformation. It has to be a life of change. It has to be that life where, where maybe when you think back how you were five years ago, you're, you're a, a, a different person today in little ways. Maybe the way you see your world, maybe the way you love your, love your neighbor, maybe the ways you, you, you kind of are sensitive to the needs around you. Whatever way it is, you are different because God is transforming you and the old has gone and the new has come. This morning we're going to re return to Paul's letter to the church in Ephesus. But today is our last day to do this for a while. We're going to put aside the book of Ephesians for a while. This is the last Sunday. And starting next Sunday and for a few Sundays after that, we're going to start a new uh, sermon series. And it's going to take us right up to Easter. Easter's coming. Right up to Easter, we're going to take that series. Okay? But for now, we're going to get right into Ephesians chapter 2. So, if God is to build his building, because we read that text, if he's going to build his building... And when I say his building, his church, the body of Christ, when we, when, we bring, when we work it through, where does he have to start? 
for God to build his building, where does he start? So we're going to get right back into our text. Look at Ephesians chapter 2, and he's going to start with peace. Let's read verses 17 and 18. He starts with peace. He came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him, we both have access to the Father through one spirit. You know, again in our text, just like our text last week, Paul here is reminding the church in Ephesus, like, and, and, and I want to remind you that that church in Ephesus had a real mixture of different people with different backgrounds, very much like, like us here today. And Paul is reminding the, the church there that those two basic groups, the Jews and the non-Jews, that now they are on a level playing field in God's eyes. In other words, the, the Jews did not have any spiritual advantage or privilege uh, in God's eyes like they, would, like they thought. And Paul say, no, we're all, we're all on the same level, all beloved of God in Christ Jesus. The Gentiles were the ones who were far away that Paul talks about. The Jews are the ones that were near that Paul talks about. And Paul says that Jesus himself is the peace. Jesus himself is our peace. We have peace through him. For without Jesus, a flawed person like me, a flawed sinner like me, wouldn't stand a chance before a holy, pure God. All the bad deeds. Can you, can you imagine standing before God, the creator of the universe, the timeless one, without Jesus? All the, think about the flashes you would have in your mind of the things that you've done that you know weren't good. All the thoughts, all the hurtful words that you've said. To stand before God without Jesus, that is a terrifying thought. It reminded me of my daughter's situation. My oldest daughter just got in a car accident. She got into it a few months ago. She was um, on her campus, uh, uh, college campus, and some guy just ran a stop sign and bam, hit her. Okay? The campus police show up. They make a report. They confirm that it was it was uh, uh, his fault, this guy's fault. Uh, they had witnesses and things. And so, but uh, he wanted to take this to small claims court. He refused to pay. And he's going to take it to small claims court. So my daughter shows up to small claims court last week. He didn't show. The guy didn't show. I think he was hoping that she wouldn't show. Why do you think he didn't show? Because he's guilty. Bam! Guilty! And he was hoping to, to, to avoid the verdict. See, the Bible tells us that everyone on the face of the earth, we are going to, we're going to come to that point where there's going to be a verdict. But you know what Jesus says to us? Jesus says, you know what? You're not going to get there. I'm going to pull you out before you even get to court. I'm going to pull you out. I'm just going to tell the judge, you belong to me. Isn't that a neat thought? That's what Jesus says. You belong to me. So Paul, in his letter here, calming the spiritual waters, he says, Jesus is our 
peace with God. That doesn't matter how our life was in the past. Jesus is our peace with God. You have Jesus, then you have peace with God. It's that simple. So, that is a key way in which the Lord has to start. If he's going to build his building, if he's going to use us, it has to start with our relationship with the builder, our relationship with God, that we have peace, that we have that relationship that is good and healthy. Now, I wonder, when I, started, when I was preparing this, I thought, you know, how many times have I talked about peace with God? How many times do we in the Bible come across this text that has to deal with us having that reconciliation and that peace with God? You know, we do it, we say it over and over again. It's a basic truth. But I want you to understand that when we, when we hear talk about things like uh, spiritual things, getting right spiritually, understand when you really think it through, and understand and, and, and grab onto how God uses that in our lives, it has a direct relationship to our daily lives practically. I mean, where else do you hear this concept of peace? Peace is such an important part. Think about when we talk about peace with God, when you have peace with God, that's supposed to filter into peace with your family. That's supposed to filter into peace in your office situation. That's supposed to filter in with peace with your friends at school. See, when you don't have peace, man, what do you have? You have a crumbling state. If you don't have a peace in a family, you're not going to have that family very long. If you don't have peace in a church, that church isn't going to be, be, have open doors very long. If you don't have a peace in, the, in your country, it won't stay a country very long. We have to have peace. And Paul is just hitting it hard that Jesus is our peace, that we have peace. That's the beginning. That's basic, basic, basic is having peace. And if you don't have it, you got to deal with it. you got to deal with it. That's the great example is that we have peace with God and God is saying, hey, get your lives right on earth. Get your lives right with the people around you. Get peace with those around you. Because I'm giving you a peace between you and me. Get it right. Because that's when things move forward. That's when things can build. Like he's going to start building now. So he has peace. He's telling us about peace. Now he's going to select his material for his building, his church. Look at verse 19. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and aliens but fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household. The wonderful newness we have in Christ, we really have a hard time really grabbing onto these words like they really just hit the ears of people in the church in Ephesus. Because remember I told you, there was this huge gulf between the Jews and the non-Jews. And see, the non-Jews, the Gentiles like us, we're a bunch of Gentiles. The Gentiles back in those days were looked upon by the Jews as, as like mangy dogs. They ref- you look into the Hebrew, and that was a translation of what they called Gentiles, mangy dogs, aliens, foreigners, uncircumcised, the, the outsiders. 
But because of Christ, not only are we citizens in God's kingdom, but adopted children in his family, heirs and possessors of God's riches. Why? Because of Christ alone. Now we are suitable. Now we are desirable material to be used by God for God's building. You guys ever go shopping? Ladies, you too. I shouldn't say you guys. You guys ever go to like, like Lowe's or Home Depot and you need a, let's say you need a 10-foot 2x4. What do you do? You better do this. You go to the rack where you've got your 10-foot 2x4s and you're going to pull them up and you're going to look down and see if that thing is straight, right? You're going to turn it around, look at the knots, and you're going to see if it's straight. And see, that's what's so beautiful when we talk about God's material. We are so flawed, but now because of Christ, we are like that perfectly straight 10-foot 2x4, ready for God to use. Paul says we are citizens in God's kingdom. Now let's think about this. I want to expand this a little bit. Do you think a citizen has responsibilities? Do you think citizen of country? You know, that's what's kind of cool. Well, when I was uh, living in Brazil, I wasn't a citizen. I didn't have to do anything. I didn't even have to vote, you know? I didn't have to do any of that kind of stuff. But a citizen in your country, do you think you have responsibilities? Let's go on. Paul says that we are members of God's family. Members of God's family. Do you think being members of a family, you should have to participate? Well, let me ask you guys. Do you guys think it's okay for you guys to just sit home and do video games? No? Oh, these are good kids here. And that's what Paul's trying to communicate. He's saying that, that because we are citizens in the, in the kingdom, because we are adopted family members in God's family, that, that we have this, we should have this joy to participate in God's work. You know, kind of, and I, I've shared this with you a bunch of times, but, but you know, I, I tell you, I, I miss changing diapers. Three kids, you know, when it came to the day when I didn't have to change a diaper anymore, I really missed it. I actually kind of had withdrawals, kind of, you know. It's the, think about it, though. The most deplorable, unsanitary, don't-do-this-before-dinner job is changing diapers, right? It is. But when I didn't have to do it anymore, I really missed it. Now, don't get me wrong. I don't miss changing your kids' diapers. I miss changing my kids' diapers. And there's a difference. Why is it? Those are my kids. Those are the ones I love. And I love changing their diapers. And see, that's the kind of heart attitude we got to have when we serve the Lord. You may think of all the different things that you can do serving the Lord. Some of them you might think are very simple, and some of them can be very challenging. But the bottom line, the attitude you need to have when doing that is you're doing it because it's the Lord. A joy should be there. A joy should be there. And when you don't do anything for the Lord, you should miss it. You should miss it. Because that's part of being family. 
That's part of being citizen in his kingdom, to have that joy serving the master. Let's go on. So, let's say that here's Paul talking about God building his building, building his church. He's already started with peace. He's already he's, he's selecting the material, us. He's made us acceptable material to be used in his building. Now what does he have to do? He has to set it on the firm foundation. Look at verse 20. Built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. What Paul is saying here, and realize that Paul is trying to create in your mind this visual, this visual spiritual image in your mind of God is erecting this, this, this huge building that we can refer to easily as a church or even the body of Christ. That God is building this. The holy temple, the edifice of God built using us. Believers, as the stones, we are the stones, we're the bricks, we are, we are the cement, we are the, those building blocks. We are the church, right? And how did, how did you and I become usable stones? Well, we talked about it a little bit here, but also it has to do with hearing and believing This book. I hope this isn't under your seat in your car. You know, sometimes we get, one time we had like around five Bibles here that were found on, on the tables in the foyer. And I, and I thought to myself, I hope these people are missing it. Sometimes we'll have a Bible in our office for like weeks and weeks and weeks. It has no name in it. Make sure you got your name in your Bible. But the bottom line, I'm thinking, gee, I hope they're missing their Bible. Because that's what Paul is saying here. He's saying that the words of the prophets and the apostles help build, help to create that, that quality of spiritual usableness in the believers. And I hope you can say that too. That as you've learned about God in the Bible, as you've heard about God coming here or in a Bible study group, that that has started to change you made you at first more aware, but then later on actually more, in a way, closer to God. That, you, that has pointed you toward God. That has touched you. We know that fact has to always come before faith. So first you've got to hear and understand, and that can lead you to belief. And I hope that's happened in your life. Because through the centuries, through the blood of martyrs, through the, through the work of the Holy Spirit, you are who you are as usable bricks and stone for God's building, the church. We are that building. And it says here, with Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. What in the world does that mean? I'm not a structural engineer or civil engineer or anything, but I can understand just by what Paul's saying here is that Jesus is that number one most important part, that block in that corner of that building that's holding it up. That's a key. You pull that block out and everything's coming down. It's just an amazing picture that Paul is creating in our minds to, 
to help us understand the importance of Jesus Christ. Now, that's how, that's how and I realize that's an inspiration from the Lord. When we just take a moment to think about it, think about how God has drawn mental pictures in your mind about Jesus. Think about this. Jesus, the Lamb of God. What do you picture? This fluffy, little, little, defenseless by choice lamb, ready to be sacrificed. The Lamb of God, sacrificed for you. Jesus, the Lion of Judah. Now, can you, what comes in your mind? Think about Jesus, the Lion of Judah. You can see him. He's like our spiritual Mufasa. Yeah? Just, just, just ready to defend you, ready, ready to be your king, to be your savior, that glory of God. And here we have Jesus, the chief cornerstone, holding up everything. Jesus, the most important piece of the building, the most important everything. Now, now realize that when Paul is talking about this to the church in Ephesus, He's not only creating this mental picture in the mind of this, this, this building, of this incredible building, but also he's challenging them to think, hey, what part does Jesus play in your life? Do you see Jesus as that, that peace that if you take it away, everything crumbles? Is Jesus that important? important to you in your life. That's what he wants you to think. That's what God is hoping you're going to embrace. Yeah, Jesus is everything to me. You pull that, yank that out of my life, and oh man, I don't know what's going to happen. And I'm so thankful he's with me. All these things come together and, and, and form our faith and help us to understand what God wants us to understand about him. That, yeah, our relationship isn't just a little re- religious thing that we do on Sunday. It is our life. Our life. It's, it's, it's kind of like when we talk about Jesus being that foundation, think about it. How many, think of your house, your condo, your apartment building, wherever you live. I don't care how nice, if I go into your place, what am I going to see? You know, some of you guys are very good decorators. I know you are. Some of you people are very good shoppers, and you know how to buy things that just really look great in your house. If I walk into your house, what is that thing I'm going to see that you want my eyes to go to? Uh, maybe you just had your kitchen done. And you have these beautiful new maple cabinets, or you have this beautiful floor and this, these, these granite countertops. I don't know. But just think about it. What if your foundation was like this one? What if your foundation was like this? You tell me about your maple cabinets then. You tell me how much worth you got in your new carpeting doesn't mean a thing. That's what Paul is trying to communicate. Is Jesus your foundation? 
Is he that cornerstone in your life? He talks about the growing building of living material as a holy temple in the Lord. That the Lord actually is going to dwell in us. In the church, but also individually in us. And he says, the stones, the whole building being fitted together. Again, here we have that same old same old lesson about the importance of unity, that importance of oneness fitted together. And that's the challenge for us, right? If we're going to be fitted together, that means we need to find our place in the church. We need to find our place where God wants us to be. How are we going to, to, to glorify him and serve him and, and be in that place where he's made for us? And that, that's a fun thing, and that's worth seeking after and finding out. Your niche in the kingdom. Your niche in the kingdom. When I went to, uh, right before I left for the mission field, I sat down, and I was with this, this, this gentleman in his 80s, and he had just traveled through 20 different countries where my mission has had different mission uh, missionaries working, and what he did, he he made a uniform accounting system for all the mission fields to report back to the headquarters in Philadelphia. And so he'd been to all the fields. He knew hundreds of missionaries, probably thousands. And here I was, this new kid who was just going to jump on a plane and fly off to Brazil. He knew Brazil better than than probably anyone in the United States. And he said to me, he said, "You know what, Rick?" you're going to have to find your niche. In your first two years, you're going to be so caught up with language and culture and just, just, just dealing with adjusting there. But after two years, God's going to show you your niche, why you're there. And you know, he was right. Two years. And you know, people, that's what Paul's talking about here. He says we're, we're fitted together. We want to find that place, that niche in the kingdom where God wants us to be and to serve him and to find fruitfulness for him. Look at verse 22. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. You. In other words, you. Not only is this building going to be incredible, but God's going to be in you, and you are going to be that, that, like, like that building for God. You know, I, I took my family to New York a, a few years ago, and uh, New York's a, a really a fun city. But anyway, we, we wanted, uh, you know, what do you, what do you want to see in New York? Okay. One of the things is the Empire State Building. And so here we are, we're in New York, and you can see the Empire State Building from wherever, and it's there. And so we start walking toward it. Man, it was a long ways away. We just kept on walking and walking, miles actually, until we get to this huge old building. And, and we look up, and it's just amazing. But I realized that all that distance we walked, we passed a whole bunch of skyscrapers. We passed a just countless numbers of buildings. But we wanted to get to the Empire State Building. We wanted to get to the, that tallest, most magnificent building in New York. 
And see, that's what Paul is saying God is trying to build on this earth. He's trying to build his building. He's trying to build his church. He's trying to build you. To be that representative, that, that, that symbol of him in this world that people are going to want to see. We are that building. We are that church. We are the stones that God wants to build. His temple. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that we can come before you just as we are, unfinished, flawed, uh, not really usable, but, but in Christ we are. That, that you have done it all. And, and we turn to you and we say, Lord, make me what you want us to be. Make me the person you want me to be. And Lord, you do it. Help us to have that kind of willing heart to want to find our niche, our place in the kingdom. Help us to step forward to, to, to serve you because we love you and there is so much of you to love. Help us, Father, to, to, to help be a part of that magnificent building you want to build that will draw all the world to yourself. So thank you, Lord. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.